we're going to take up an offering this morning. Uh, if you feel led to give, uh, we have many ways that you can give. You can go to www.awaken-ministries.com. Um, click the donate button uh, and pick how you'd want to give. There's an offering on there. Uh, you can give to wherever there are stars we will go. That's a campaign uh, that's been running with us from the beginning. Uh, you can give in the basket that's going around. Uh, if you're local here, don't forget mine. I want to be blessed too. Um, you can give uh, by check. Um, that, that information is also on the website where you're able to mail your check in to us. And uh, we appreciate uh, your offering. This is, I know you hear this everywhere that you go, those that are listening and those that are in the room. Um, but it, it is really true that your giving is just an extension and maybe greater than for most people of your worship uh, because some people don't have a problem dancing before the Lord and singing and rejoicing but they have a problem giving and the Bible teaches us that our worship should be a sacrifice as Abraham was headed up the mountain with his son Isaac to sacrifice him he told his servants to stay there as him and his son was going up the hill to worship and he said that fully knowing that he was going to sacrifice his son unto the Lord and there is no greater sacrifice than having to give up a loved one to the Lord but he was willing to do it so we learn from that piece of scripture that our 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 worship must be a sacrifice it must be costing you something I'm not trying to get you to give me all of your money but as you begin to give this morning even in your local church or next Sunday whenever you're listening to this is the is the offering is being passed uh, I want you to give until it hurts until it challenges you, until you can literally look at what you just gave and say, that was a sacrifice. That's going to hurt my flesh because this week I can't eat out. This week I can't get Starbucks. You need to cut some cost in order to worship the Lord. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you so much uh, that you give us the opportunity to come and give into your kingdom, Lord, where there are many promises throughout your word of what you'll do when we become faithful givers, not just with our money, but with our time, with our worship, with whatever it might be, Lord. When we give it unto you, you have just literally covered the pages of your word with promises of what you will do when we become that people. So we thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, Lord, bless the reading of your word and the time that we get to spend here today. We love you, we love you, we love you, and may it never be about a message, a speaker, or a song, but magnifying you with our hearts and our flesh dying as we do so. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be in uh, Judges 2. If you want to there, you're welcome to. If you brought your Bibles, if you didn't, talk to Jesus about that. <clears throat> so me and my, my family, we, we started off um, our journey of uh, what we call this 
sold out lifestyle, which the world would call reckless. Uh, many years ago, <clears throat> and I just want to, as I was in worship, I was just talking to the Lord about this scripture, and it's a powerful scripture, but I was, I was just talking to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, this is not going to take very long for me to talk about this, and he quickly corrected me, and he said, he, he said it will if you tell it with your testimony. If you share this piece of scripture with a story from what I've done for you and how I challenged you with this scripture before you ever even knew this scripture existed. Because we read the Bible, I've read it several times through, but I'm not like some of you all. I don't have it memorized. Uh, it's very unlikely that I would tell you scripture in verse. Um, when you talk with me, you'll hear me quote many scriptures, but I never give scripture a verse. So I don't have it memorized like that. So I read this scripture many times, but it never caught my eye. I think we all can recognize with that where we study the word and then we'll come back and you go, I just read this three weeks ago and I totally missed this section. And that's why a lot of times you'll say, you'll hear me say it's a brand new verse. He just put it in there because I, there's no way I could have missed it. But we do, and um, <clears throat> I remember we were in South Carolina, and we were staying uh, with with relatives, and we're really helping them get free from a lot of demonic uh, attacks on their lives. We were staying in uh, a one uh, a bedroom on the top floor, sharing a bathroom with countless others um and it was me my wife and my two daughters and then my son when he would come and they would sleep on this blow-up mattress in the corner and this room was tiny um and then a friend of mine asked me if we would come over to texas to help with his ministry and uh, i was excited to get away from where we were so i said of course when can we come? He said, when can you get here? I said, we'll leave tomorrow <laughs> because I was uh, just done being where we were. And we were excited because this was going to be the first time in a while that we had our own place, that we had our own space. Um, we didn't see really any pictures of it. We got an address and we tried to look it up, and it didn't show us the place. It showed us something weird, and I was like, there's no way that's it. Um, and uh, we come in at night and didn't really get to see uh, much of anything when we arrived uh, and went into the place and just set up, uh, if I remember right, it was air mattresses. And we slept, uh, all of us, on an air mattress the first night, and then we woke up the next morning um, and thought, my goodness, where are we? Because as we've seen the trailer, um, it was in bad shape. There was not a washer or a dryer. There was no stove. Uh, there was no refrigerator. We had no money. We had spent every dime that it that we had to get there almost and then even the gentleman that wanted us to come and be a part had to send us money 
in order for us to be able to get there, and even that was delayed. <clears throat> and as we begin to walk around the trailer, we realize that in, in the main bedroom, the carpet was green. It was so ugly. It smelled really, really, really bad, and there was a big, huge cutout in it to where the carpet had just been ripped up. If you ever rip up carpet, it has those strands that come out when you try to rip it up, and those strands were still there. Um, and the, our, our kids' bedroom was way back in the very back of the, the, the trailer. Uh, and But we had no... Uh, and my wife has to eat a certain way, um, and we couldn't do that. And so the ministry that we were going to be helping, they said, well, we have a kitchen where people donate food. You can take whatever you need. So we began to, to get food from there, but it was very unhealthy stuff. I remember that uh, most of the meals consisted of egg rolls, and that was it. Um, because we had an air fryer, but no stove and no refrigerator. And we lived like that for a while. And then someone put it on, the Lord put it on someone's heart to buy us a stove. So then we got a stove. We found a refrigerator somewhere, but still we didn't have no money. And so we're still eating egg rolls. and now we're putting them in the oven. So that's better. You can cook more at one time. And they had they had a lot of the stuff that you would need in your diet and chicken and rice and just all kinds of stuff. They were expired as well, um, so that added to it. But when you need food, you need food, and it doesn't much matter because you've decided to follow the Lord no matter the cost. And then <clears throat> I was out mowing. Because um, we was on this big, huge acreage lot with another gentleman um, that was buying all that property, including the property that we sat on. And I was mowing one day, and the Lord began to speak to me about uh, a young lady that we had previously met and told me basically to get her there because she was dying. And I'm like, Lord, get her where? What are you talking about? We're in a trailer with no food and no money. It's a two-bedroom. What are we going to do? But I didn't delay. I called her up and told her what the Lord had said, and she began to make her way that direction. But I remember, as the Lord was reminding me this morning during worship, I remember the, the sacrifice. I remember the struggle. I remember my wife getting sick and, and staying sick most of the time there. And I remember my kids never complaining, except for that the outside was horrible and there were giant tarantulas and uh, scorpions and bad snakes that will end your life pretty quickly. And it was hot. If you've ever been to Texas during the summer, it is hot. And it stays hot. <clears throat> and raccoons were getting in our trash and possums. And we had to put a big uh, board on the trash cans outside. And then I had a, a battery that I'd found because the guy that had lived in the trailer before us was cooking meth there, which is probably why the stove was gone. 
because he probably caught it on fire and had to chuck it out the front door so it didn't burn the trailer down. And I took this big battery and setting it on the wood. And I remember my wife and this, this young lady, they couldn't really move the battery by themselves. It was so heavy. They'd have to help each other or just pull it to the side and let it fall off and hit the ground because I was still traveling <clears throat> on no money and no one was giving us any. Because you have to learn how to serve God when there's no blessing. But I remember, I remember the presence of the Lord during that time as we, we didn't turn back. We didn't stop serving Him. We just kept pushing in further and further to where at one point in this nasty trailer with no food and no money, very little appliances, someone else coming to live with us and there already not being enough space. I remember this new thing begin to happen to where I would feel something enter the room. And I knew that it was holy. And I would feel it enter the room and I would f watch it travel around the room and knew when it was about to touch someone else in the room and when it would touch them they would black out I didn't have a name for it then because I'm not as awesome as some of you all that have been around so much religion and meetings and services but now I know it is a kind of glory it wasn't something I prayed for. It wasn't something that I asked for. It was something that was poured out, out upon dying flesh because the Shekinah glory is attracted to death. The more death that there is, the more that it wants to come. The more sacrifice that exists, the more that it wants to come. And we didn't, we didn't even really look at it as sacrifice because... Just like today, we, we look at it as we didn't have a choice. There wasn't another option. There wasn't another choice. There wasn't another decision. It was just Him and Him alone, and that's all that mattered. And it didn't matter to us. We had already been dead before we went and decided that if we starved to death in that trailer, it was worth it. Someone asked me one time, they said, what if it doesn't work out? What if you lose your wife and you lose your kids and you find out that you were wrong? What then? And I said, it would still be worth it that I tried. It would still be worth it that I seen a biblical model before me and I set my eyes upon it and just decided to follow it. And the cost was already counted. Even if my wife left, even if my kids left, even if people begin to die. If people begin to die around me, I knew that that would make me more biblical than most all other ministries that I had ever seen. Because that is the gospel. He said, I promise you persecution and death. I promise you struggle. Yes, there's good in it, but in the beginning of following Jesus to this extent, which should be the only thing that exists, and I'm sorry 
that religion and churches and the world has presented other options that are not options at all. But they're so much less than the real choice. And so as you begin to follow Jesus, people should begin to get healed around you. People should begin to get convicted around you. He should be magnified in such a way that every situation that you find yourself in, just a mention of His name shifts it. And when you choose that, He tests what you've chosen. He told me here a while back that every time that I tell him yes, that's permission for him to test that yes. To see if I mean it. And he's had me in the book of Judges uh, for the last couple of weeks and I've just been listening to it over and over and over and this chapter 2 through chapter 3 has been really just hitting me hard. And I remember the first day that I listened to it all the way through, I got into chapter 2 and I heard this verse spoken as I was re- listening to it. And I couldn't help but say out loud, that's it. That is it. And so we find ourselves in Judges 2, verse 21 through 22. And it's God the Father speaking. He's talking uh, to the Israelites. Uh, Joshua has, has died. These judges are being ri- raised up. And when these judges are before them and leading them, they serve God for a certain period of time. But when that judge dies before another one is raised up, they turn back to their wickedness. And then God makes a, pro- a proclamation that I find so true even today is we begin to follow God, not, not out of our rebellion as this came, but out of Him just testing our ability and our yes to follow Him. Our yes to whatever He wants. Our yes to whatever it looks like. When we say yes to Him and, and we begin to ask Him for Him, because I, that's all that I've ever asked Him for. I've never asked Him to use me for miracle signs or wonders, to anoint me to preach the gospel, to give me some gifting or an office. I've never asked for any of that. And I pray that I never do, but for the entirety of my ministry, all that I have asked for is, Jesus, I need You. And when we want Him, and we ask Him to come, and we continue to pound heaven with that asking, He will give us an answer. But with that answer always comes the testing of will you continue to follow the Lord when so many other options are around you. So let's just read it. This is God speaking. He says, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. And so when when we begin to say yes to Jesus, I believe that there is a a spiritual uh, happening that begins to take place where he says, I will no longer in this season make sure that you have more than enough. I will no longer in this season make sure that your health is about you. I will no longer in this season give you these great things. Because what you're asking for is more of me, and more of me requires 
More of me requires less provision, less ability to do it on your own, less ability for you to provide for yourself. He's saying, I will no longer put these things in front of you. And in the Israelites' case, I will no longer drive out the enemies. When you're trying to follow God, hunger can be an enemy. When you're trying to follow God, money can be an enemy. When you're trying to follow God, friends and family can become an enemy. Anything that would try to pull you from what Jesus is telling you to do will become an enemy. Because anything that stands between you and the feet of Jesus has to go. Appliances can be an enemy. A nice house can be an enemy. A nice vehicle, a vehicle, can be an enemy. And so I believe that he has, and really what it is, is us giving him permission when we continue to pursue him, we're telling him, we give you permission to remove all things that you don't want in our life so that we can have more room for the things that you do. For you, for your spirit, bring death to me at whatever the cost. Is what we begin to cry out to him when we say, Jesus, I need you. And he begins to say, but you don't understand. If I come, that must go. And then you say yes, and he comes and deals with that, and you walk through the process of however long it takes you to destroy that work of the world in your life so that he can have it. And then you cry out again, Jesus, I need more of you. And he says, okay, I will come, but this has to go. And then you walk through the whole process again of him stripping that away and just continually testing you. Will you still follow me if you don't have this? And me and my wife and my family and, and this young lady has walked through, she, she missed some of the good stuff, but she's been here for most of it. Where he's just stripped away more and more and more and more and saying, I'm going to test you in this. I'm going to test you saying that you want me in such a way that you will look like the biblical model of me. That you will do greater things than I did. But in order for that to happen, all the things of the world that make you comfortable have to go away. And you have to see me as provider. You have to see me as Lord. Everyone wants Him as Savior. Save me out of my mess. But Lordship means He's in charge. It means that your free will is sacrificed the moment you fully follow Jesus because now free will can't exist because now you're a slave to look like Him. And He said, I don't have free will. I only do and say what I see and hear the Father do. He said, you want more of me? You must do that too. And when my voice is silent, you must know my word. You must know the Bible and what I did and what I said and live in that until I speak.
I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died so that through them I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. And then it says, therefore. What is it therefore? Let me tell you. The Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. So he made a proclamation, he made a declaration, and then he kept it. He kept what he said he was going to do, and he tested them. So my invitation my altar call would be simply this today would you respond and ask him this morning to test your yes if you truly want more of him Give Him permission to test the yes that you've already given and the yeses that are to come so that you can just do one thing. Not sell out a conference, not have a big meeting, not have a big ministry, but so that you can look more like Him. So that you can settle upon one thing of following Jesus. So if you want to give him permission to test your yes, I'm not going to tell you how to respond. Just respond in whatever way that you see fit. As Megan begins to sing, she's going to sing about yes. She's going to sing about him having our yes. And that he has permission to test it. I'm not going to lay hands on you this morning. I'm not going to pray over you. You need Jesus to touch you. You need Him to test your yes. And you need to mean it. Because He will. He wants to. Because your no to the world is just as important as your yes to Him. Test our yes this morning, Lord. Test our yes. Test our yes. And as we tell you, yes, may we always know that your hand is upon us and you are able to guide and direct us and destroy all other paths. We give you permission.